his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Joining us is Brad Young from Harris Dahl Fisher and Young. Contributes to many of the great shows here on KMOX. How are you, Brad? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thank you. I'm wondering, I guess, in the sense of the court system, I wanted to get your thoughts on what's going to happen when there's challenges in the future. One of the big things during the Trump administration was the ability for him to put people into, I should say, judges into seats on federal levels and even up to the Supreme Court, three Supreme Court justices. Now I look at some of the different executive orders and there could be challenges to some of the things that are brought up through the House and Senate. I'm wondering now the role of the courts moving forward with the Republicans having no majority in the House, having no majority in the Senate, thanks to the tiebreaker going to the vice president. Is the courts really the only thing that the most of the Republicans would be able to use if there's a challenge? Well, I wouldn't say the only thing. Uh, I would say that if you look at certainly the, at the Supreme Court right now, uh, ostensibly, depending on how you count uh, noses, there's either a six to three majority for conservatives or a five to four, depending on how you see uh, uh, Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, I think uh, a lot of times he defies categorization because his views are not necessarily ideological sometimes, but more about keeping the status quo or supporting past precedent decisions from the Supreme Court. But be that as it may, if you look at the federal courts, uh, President Trump has has been very successful, uh, mainly due to the assistance of Mitch McConnell in the Senate at getting uh, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of judges across the country appointed into the federal court system and the appellate court system. So uh, while certainly if you look at past 20, 30, 40 years, you've had predominantly uh, a left-leaning judiciary, I'm not so certain that that's the case now. So the answer to your question is certainly the courts will be one of the primary vehicles for keeping a check and balance on a Democrat party that controls the White House, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. But also don't forget Joe Manchin in the Senate. He is now, I think, the most important senator in the United States. 
Yes, I think he came out in one of the first to come out to say things like defund the police. He's not putting up with it. So it gave a little spark of hope when I thought, wow, if, they're, if they lose the Senate, at least there is a couple on the other side that may try to reject some of the more crazy notions. So why do you think he's the most important senator right now? Well, if you look at the entire concept of our Constitution, Ryan, the whole Constitution is built on checks and balances. The idea that no person, and certainly if you look at the, in 1786, the concern was like the King of England. Uh, no one wants to have a King of England who has absolute uh, sovereign power because uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But now what we have in Washington, at least on paper, is you have a Democrat party that has absolute power. They control the House, they control the Senate, they control the White House. So the problem with that is, is that there, that whole entire check and balance system of the Constitution starts to kind of fall apart when one party controls both houses of the legislature and the executive branch. So boiling all of this down at this point, I see Joe Manchin as the check the balance, okay, in the Senate, because if, uh, if there's some crazy progressive uh, AOC-inspired idea that happens to pass the House of Representatives, Joe Manchin is really, truly going to be the only check and balance on that in terms of it getting through the Senate. And normally you see a lot of unity within the Democratic Party. You don't see a lot strain aside. Very rare. I mean, just I mean, I can barely think of any times when you haven't seen a straight vote on the Democratic side. So that would be something almost unique in a way. But what a great time for it to happen. <laughs> Well, you know, I looked at the I looked at the at the at the Senate race in Georgia as being uh, in many ways more critical than the presidential race because that race in Senate was going to be the the race that determined the check and balance on the administration, and so since the the runoff election in Georgia, contrary to most pre-election estimates went both in terms of Ossoff and Warnock in terms of, uh, for the for the Democrats. At this point, Joe Manchin, Democrat senator uh, from West Virginia, becomes that check and balance. For example, let me give you two quick examples of this. Uh, he has already come out previously to say that bills like the, the Green New Deal, which would eliminate air conditioning in buildings and require <laughs> the total uh, uh, reconstruction of all office buildings in America to comply with crazy restricted energy guidelines. He said that's a no-go. Uh, he's also said that an additional $2,000 stimulus check for people who don't need it is a no-go because it adds to the deficit. Those are two quick examples of how I think Joe Manchin is going to be a check and a balance on the legislature, which in his absence would be literally free to enact all kinds of very progressive left-wing policies. But I think he will, uh, at least ostensibly, keep that from happening. Can we talk about the Kim Gardner case? Because I saw that there was an update to that. There was a rejected challenge that Kim Gardner was trying to take up to the uh, appellate court to try to continue prosecuting the McCloskeys. And today, so another one of them was turned down by that judge. And I know that you've been following this just like a lot of other people have too. And in a process like this, when it's been struck down a couple of times and you have a circuit attorney that keeps going, essentially what would have to happen? Does she just keep appealing up into the Missouri Supreme Court? 
Yeah, that that's her next. Uh, that's her hail mary. I mean, at this point, there's literally four seconds left on the clock. Okay, she's down twenty-one to zero. She's the quarterback, but she's got to throw a ninety-five-yard hail mary in order to score a touchdown. Uh, and that's simply not going to happen because, unfortunately, for Kim Gardner, all of her receivers are legally blind. So you know that's. <laughs> That, that, that's simply not going to happen. Um, yeah. but let me quickly set it up. The judge in the Mark McCloskey case ruled that Kim Gardner had a conflict of interest because she used a prosecution of the McCloskeys as a campaign theme in, in an email fundraiser. And so the judge ruled that's a conflict of interest, and it was. The, the interest of a prosecutor should be solely and exclusively focused on justice, and in this instance, even if you, in your best day, say that she's only interested in justice, which I question, but even if you make that argument, she was also interested in using the prosecution of the McCloskeys to advance her political career, when in reality she's simply supposed to be uh, advancing the cause of justice. And so the, the, the judge in the, in the Mark McCloskey case said, you're out. And so she appealed it. The judge in the Patricia McCloskey case said, you're out. And so she's going to be, she appealed that to the Court of Appeals. So at this point, her last Hail Mary pitch is to the Missouri Supreme Court. And unfortunately, you know, they're, they're going to rule that the, the, the time is out, the clock has expired, and the game is over. Can I just say, and this is so frustrating to me, because you could... You could admit to being a drug dealer in the city of St. Louis and she won't prosecute you. You could admit to shooting a child in the city of St. Louis and she won't prosecute. You could you could assault a police officer as part of a protest and she'll sympathize with you for being part of the protest. But if you wave a gun, don't fire it. But if you hold a gun while the protest walks by your own home, while you're on your own property, she'll take that to the Missouri Supreme Court. It's so ridiculous. Exactly, but even goes one step beyond that. If you're Patricia McCloskey and you hold a gun that's non-functioning, that cannot fire, that can't harm anyone, she'll instruct the police department to, in fact, repair that pistol to make it operational in order to prosecute you. I mean, that's one step removed, Ryan, from her coming onto the McCloskey's property and opening up her trench coat and saying, hey, buddy, do you want an AR-15? You know, I mean, that's just one step below that. This is so ridiculous. And this is such a wasted amount of time on this at this point. And it's I, I look at that and I think, okay, you don't have enough people in your office to begin with because they don't want to work with you. And this is how you're spending your time, if not defending yourself. How many other times have we seen more worthy cases that you haven't even shown up to court for? So please stop with this yeah, already. Right. <laughs> Plus, we still have the entire William Tisby case that hasn't reached fruition yet, uh, where she could actually be prosecuted for suborning perjury. Plus, we still have the issue of the multiple bar complaints against her, which are pending in front of the uh, uh, Missouri Disciplinary Committee and ultimately the Missouri Supreme Court. So if you boil it all down, Brian, she's got just slightly fewer legal headaches at this point than Donald Trump.
<laughs> Just out of curiosity, and I don't even know if this is a possibility, but let's say Eric Reitens decides to go on the offense, goes back and look at some of the documents that have come out that he was you that they used to prosecute him as governor of the state of Missouri, and he realizes that there's a lot of uh, funny business going on. Could he, in return, also bring a case up against Kim Gardner if he realizes that maybe his rights were violated during that time? Well, here's what's fascinating, and it's something that no one has picked up on. Uh, it hasn't been widely reported. No one's investigated this. But if you remember back, let me turn on the Wayback Machine and refresh your memory here. But whenever Kim Gardner agreed to dismiss the case against Eric Greitens, she conditioned that dismissal on Eric Greitens signing a release agreement stating that he would not sue her for prosecutorial misconduct. So ostensibly, he's already signed what's called a release agreement against Kim Gardner releasing her from liability. However, under Missouri law, a prosecutor can never be given anything of value in exchange for the discharge of her his or her duties as a prosecutor. But in this instance, she did receive something of value, which was a release of all liability signed by Eric Greitens. I don't know if the Missouri Bar is, is investigating that or not, but on its face, she received something of value, no different than paying her money or giving her you know, a free cruise or a set of Ginsu knives. Uh, she received <laughs> something of value in exchange for the discharge of her duties. So, so to answer your question, at least on the face of it, Eric Greitens signed a release agreement releasing Kim Gardner from liability for prosecutorial misconduct. I don't know if that agreement would even be considered valid in light of the fact that it should never have been, been entered into to begin with. Wow. Well, do you have any appearances, total information, AM and overtime or anything like that coming up? Um, nothing coming up in the near future, you know, unless you're feeling ill. Um, I don't think there's anything <laughs> on the calendar at this point. Well, it has been cold in my basement lately, and my feet are chilly, so I, I might be, I might uh, develop a cough here soon if you really <laughs> want to come in and do a show sometime. Uh, Brad Young from Harris Dahl Fisher and Young, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. My pleasure, my friend. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Brad is really the best when it comes to explaining these things and breaking it down. He is so good at it, and I'm glad that he joins us. And I, I mean, literally, when I ask him, he's like, sure, I'll do it. He's one of the nicest guys to do that, too, because I ask him what seems like once a week now, because there's all kinds of law questions I need him to dumb down for me to understand. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Weekday mornings at 830, Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks Kors provide perspective on KMOX and KMOX. KMOX.com. Welcome back. It's all right, America. <laughs> Still chuckling <laughs> after talking to Brad Young in the last segment. I'm going through and I'm looking at some of the different pardons from President Trump, and I've been focusing on one in particular. It's not Steve Bannon. I know he was trending because of that. It's one person by the name of Kwame Kilpatrick, which I'm going to talk about later in the show. I, I saw that and I said, you got to be kidding me. I was in Detroit uh, going to school at Central Michigan, but I grew up in the metro Detroit area, the downriver area. And there's a lot of similarities, I guess, between Detroit and St. Louis. And if I were to try to explain Kwame Kilpatrick to you, I want you to imagine Steve Stanger, who was found guilty of those crimes, now sits in a federal prison. He looks like the Pope compared to Kwame Kilpatrick when it comes to corruption. Uh, it's not even, it's night and day. It's unbelievable 
the differences between the two. And I, I look at everything that he was found guilty of 24 felonies, by the way, <laughs> 24. And he's in a uh, federal prison. He does not deserve to get out of that prison. However, Donald Trump decided to say, see you later. I'll sign it and I'll add you to the list of pardons on my last night. And a lot of people in Detroit are very upset about that. So we're going to mention that later in the show and some of the notorious crimes and the things I remember when I was in that area in Detroit, listening to it every day and just thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. Well, one of the people that decided to ask for a pardon but didn't get one was Joe Exotic. He was the guy who was popular as part of the Netflix documentary series where he had like a tiger farm and it was really crazy wild rednecks that would go take like expired food from Walmart and feed it to their animals. And, you know, a lady lost her arm and, you know, a guy was addicted to math. And there's a lady that they say buried her husband underneath a pen. And then there's a polygamist. And it's just a insanely crazy, wild, wild world. And you go through this, you watch this play out and you at the end, you know that Joe Exotic, the main character, is in federal prison. Well, I guess in jail right now. And there was a hope, I guess. Apparently, his lawyers were pleading to President Trump, please pardon Joe Exotic. Now, his crime, I believe, if I remember correctly, was trafficking animals across state borders, which is illegal. And then there was some fraud involved. So he's in jail for that. I don't think he's there for a long time, but they were hoping that he would be able to get out. Well, uh, he did not. You know who else decided to, uh, to give a pass? Well, Donald Trump gave a pass to that dude in the Viking horns that went into the Capitol building a few weeks back. You know, he's shirtless. He's wearing what looks like a potato sack for pants. He's got tattoos all over his chest. He's got the red, white, and blue painted onto his face, his bearded face. And he's wearing what looks like a muskrat hat or something with those bullhorns outside. Very well noted because he stood there with the American flag right where the Speaker of the House would stand. And attorney Al Watkins here in St. Louis was apparently defending him or at least speaking out on his behalf in order to try to get a pardon. And rightfully so, he did not get a pardon. He should not have gotten a pardon. He didn't deserve a pardon. He was charged with civil disorder, obstruction, of an official proceeding, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, demonstrating in a Capitol building, entering a restricted building without lawful authority, and violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds, all of which he should be found guilty for. No problem with that. He's 33 years old, and Al Watkins said he did not participate in any violence, and he surrendered peacefully, and he went into jail. And apparently the food they were serving wasn't good enough. It wasn't all organic. Oh, it's got to be organic. So he wasn't eating. So they had to even change his dietary restrictions. So now he's already already being a pain. So they said, oh, boy, you got to do this. It said, my client uh, heard the words of Donald Trump. The invitation. Well, again, this is a, such a weak defense was not going to stand up. So the follow-up article after they realized he wasn't going to get a pardon was to mention that, hey, you know what? It would have been the honorable thing to do to pardon those that stormed the Capitol. No, it would not have been the honorable thing to do. In fact, pardoning those that stormed the Capitol would have been the dishonorable thing to do. It would actually have been just as bad as pardoning Kwame Kilpatrick, who was the former mayor of Detroit I was talking about earlier, which we'll get to later in the show. But no, you don't pardon that. That would have been terrible. They were not peace-minded. No, not at all. Like, here, here's one of the uh, quotes here. It says, given the peaceful and uh, compliant fashion of which Mr. Chansley 
comp- uh, comported himself, it would be appropriate and honorable for the president to pardon him and other like-minded, peaceful individuals who accepted the president's invitation. <laughs> that's what I say to that. Not a chance. Luckily, that's not the case. In fact, I have no problem with him being put out there and followed now through this entire system. We even had some local people. That's not the only local tie. We had someone else here close to the area that also surrendered peacefully after they were photographed there at the Capitol building. They're finding that if you had your cell phone turned on in the Capitol building, they were able to track that information. Now, keep in mind when it's the big building like the Capitol building, they don't mess around when it comes to security. They did a, not a great job stopping. Uh, I don't know um, if, if it was me. And I think about now that the FBI had warning and they knew some things could be coming on. You would think you would think that the invitation to invite higher security should have been taken more seriously and should have been done to make sure this wouldn't have happened. But unfortunately, um, it, it did happen the way it did. And everything laid out the way we have been able to see. And every time we get a new video or new description, it's actually worse than the time from before. And it's just shocking to see all the things that went down. It was definitely not peaceful. So, no, anyone that was involved in that, they knew they weren't supposed to be in there. They knew what they were doing was illegal. They did it anyway. They enjoyed it for the moments while they were in there, smiling, taking photos and stealing things or whatever it was. And you know what? They're going to have to pay the price for it, period. You got, it's time to pay the piper. It's not a, you don't get a freebie for something like this. I don't know why he was expecting a freebie. How dumb do you have to be to, if you're the poster child for this to expect a freebie, honestly? When we come back, and we got a great guest lined up, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. So he's the executive director of Power the Future, and he wants to talk about the mistake of canceling the Keystone Pipeline. Daniel Turner joins us after the break. It's Overnight America KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. And one of the big policy changes in the Trump administration is turning away from this energy independence, and the Keystone Pipeline keeps coming up. Joining us now is someone that can discuss, someone that pays attention to it, and founder and executive director of Power the Future, Daniel Turner. Thanks for coming on to KMOX. Thanks for having me. 
Well, as it turns out, Canada's not too happy about this. And I'm wondering, on the surface, we think about this Keystone Pipeline. It seems like we've been talking about this thing forever. It always comes up, and it's always something that seems to be a partisan deal where open it, don't open it, open it, don't open it, whatever it is. I wanted to ask you about cutting it off now at this point, what that means for the United States. Yeah, it's it's really it's such a bad omen of nothing else about what the Biden administration will do in the energy space. Um, this has been a political football for a decade. Remember, it was the Obama administration that finally gave the green light on it. They okayed it, even though Obama withheld giving the final permits. He punted, uh, as many politicians do. And then when it finally got to the Trump administration, they gave the go-ahead. So you think of this business that has invested millions, has been working on this for years, not to mention the thousands of people who are employed in this. All of that gets wiped away in one fell swoop by, by President Biden. And, and that's bad for these jobs. That's bad for American energy independence, as you mentioned. But it's really bad for what this president thinks his power is when it comes to the energy industry. And we were just getting energy independent. Things were looking pretty good in that sense. And in fact, I didn't realize that in Canada, they're not too happy about this either because it does cut them off of a lot of money that they would be getting and using because of their energy and their oil uh, reserves. People have explained this to me. He says oil is just coming out of the hills sometimes. They got to get rid of this stuff. And now they're doing it by train and truck, which is actually worse for the environment than this pipeline. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there are two great points that you're making. One, pipelines are green. Um, So if you really care about the environment, you would want to see these fossil fuels moved from pipelines as opposed to transported or truck or train, which do have emissions. So pipelines, they're safer and they are greener. But you also make the great point of what Canada wants to do with this with this commodity that it wants to bring to market. It will find another customer. If you're if you're President Trudeau, you have to put Canadians first and your economy and your and your national interest. So they will send it elsewhere. Well, Canada can go south to Texas, which is what this pipeline was going to do, or they can go west to the coast and they can put it on barges and they can send it overseas. And the number one customer now is going to be China. China has to import about 10 million barrels of oil a day. They're the world's largest oil importer. It really is one of their biggest vulnerabilities is that they do not have a reliable domestic oil source. So now they'll get Canadian oil. Wouldn't it be better to keep this in North America, keep the alliance with Canada, keep the jobs here, the tax revenue? So it's just a bad green decision, and it's a bad national security and economic decision. And what does that also mean for the future of oil prices here? Are we going to be less dependent, meaning are we going to, for a while there, we were able to tout that we were independent and we were producing more than before. So if we slip back to the way we were before, what does that mean for everything else, including energy prices? Yeah, we're going to see energy prices rise. And actually, we have seen them go up uh, considerably in the last months. Because we are going to come out of this COVID pandemic and the lockdowns are going to stop. People are going to commute to work again and travel. And as our demand begins to increase, right, the supply will dwindle. But what we had under the previous administration was a policy that made oil and gas readily available. 
I think the Biden administration is going to make it difficult to produce oil and gas in America. They have said so. Um, They flip flopped on it during the debates, but we all know what they are going to do. And when they make the supply difficult, when they when they shorten the supply and the demand goes up, prices are going to skyrocket. It, It was not long ago. We saw oil at $150 a barrel, and the average American was paying over $5 a gallon for gasoline. Um, For many things that the Trump administration did, it didn't discover any new oil fields in America. It didn't invent a new technology to, to extract it. All it did was it let the oil companies do what they do best, which is responsibly bring it to market, right? And why are we going to reverse that decision and make this a hard commodity when the demand is so great in this country? Yeah, and I I wonder, too, what does that mean and what does that indicate for some of the other policies that they may be pushing? Because if we're just going to try to discourage oil or some of these other different fuels that we rely on as a country, and then we're going to try to shift prematurely to some of these other technologies that we know can't sustain our need when it comes to energy. If we're in the next four years or even longer, if we're trying to change this, that's going to kill energy. I mean, think about how expensive it's going to be and how much demand we're going to have to try to fill for something that we don't have an infrastructure for. Absolutely. And and the biggest mistake the green movement does, and I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of progressive politicians buy into it, is they say, well, we're going to get rid of fossil fuels and we're going to replace it with wind and solar. But the vast majority of our fossil fuels are not in the electricity generating business. And so to say, well, we're going to get rid of it and put up wind turbines and solar panels, I have no problems with those with those technologies. I think they're great. I think they're fascinating and they have a bright future. But that is not where the majority of our fossil fuels go. And, and it goes to transportation, which we still cannot do with, with, with battery technology. I don't care what Tesla's stock price is. We're not <laughs> close to that. Um, and, and the millions, and I mean literally millions of products that are derived from petrochemicals that are oil and gas products, right? And so you see liberal politicians tweeting about this on their cell phone, wearing Lycra pants and Velcro shoes, saying we're going to get rid of oil. And you say, well, then we're going to get rid of everything you have currently in your possession. And and so (laughs) to get rid of oil and gas is going to hurt us in so many ways, much, much more than than electricity production. It's, It's agriculture, it's pesticides, it's laundry detergent. And the very pharmaceuticals where this COVID vaccine is coming from are all petrochemicals. Hmm. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power of the Future, joins us on Overnight America. And we could talk about some of those alternate ideas. And we've tried it in the past. We even saw when Joe Biden was in office last during the Obama administration, they had issues when it comes to solar with Solyndra and some investments that went belly up. Very embarrassing in that sense. And what we found is that when you allow the market to try to do it themselves, you get to see some of these giant companies really take initiative like Tesla. So I give all credit to the world. Tesla's idea is, you know what, we're going to make it so good that it's, you know what, people are going to want to buy this. And look at that. People are buying their products. So that's the right way to do it. But if we were to just say automatically overnight that, you know, everyone's got to put solar panels on their house, you're just going to have to suck up 30 grand to get these things on your roof. 
Think about what that yeah. would do for the economy, too, and how unrealistic that is, because ultimately, like here in Missouri, much different than California when it comes to sun. And even in California, where they're trying to force these things, they're looking at the amount of energy needed to power all these homes and the amount of energy that's produced from these solar panels or whatever, solar farms, wind farms. It's just a fraction of what they need. It's just unrealistic right now. The technology needs to get more advanced before we can rely on this. And the only way I think you're going to advance it is to allow these private companies in order to do this. But, I, you know, the, the problem is when we interfere through the government and then we try to cut things, other forms of uh, uh, methods of energy, we make things a lot more complicated and worse than if we were to just allow the markets to do it. Exactly. And, and these technologies do have a bright future and, and, and we should be really inspired by them. But you are right to say that they do have tremendous shortcomings. And I would love to have an honest conversation with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, with the Biden administration's new green White House team to talk about this and say, look, I have nothing against wind and solar. But as you said, the technology is not there. The land is not there. The world's largest wind farm is in Texas. Of course, it's in Texas because everything is big in Texas, right? <laughs> but it is 100,000 acres. It does not produce one-tenth of the electricity that a city like Houston requires on a daily basis. Now, if you say that's 100,000 acres for that little bit of electricity, how much land do we need of, of wind turbines, right? And, and you add the same to solar farms. These are five and 6,000 acre farms that barely produce enough electricity for a small town. And so the land is not there. The technology is not there. And then the cost. We can say we want to be green, but those countries that have gone green, particularly our European allies, pay four and five and sometimes six times what Americans pay for their utility bill. Germany, which is the greenest of countries, really, pays four times what we do for your monthly utility bill because they're green. If you want to go green, tell the American people that is what is down the pipeline for us. Don't lie and say we're going to go green and there aren't going to be real costs uh, and, and changes to your livelihood. California doesn't have enough electricity for its, for its state and the prices are through the roof. And there are a lot of hidden costs to this. And I just want to point out a few things regarding some of the electric vehicles. And, of course, they have a battery on it, and the battery needs to be charged. And how are you planning on charging that, number one? But the battery life doesn't last as long as an engine. So when you talk about these Teslas, from what I understand, the battery life's only like 10 years on these things, uh, efficiency-wise. Yeah. So what, so let's think about this. If you're going to buy a vehicle and you know that the engine's going to go bad in 10 years, you wouldn't buy that vehicle. It doesn't make sense. But <laughs> now you're thinking, I need a $10,000 new battery every uh, 10 years or however much it costs. I can't remember. It's an extraordinary cost. And I'm thinking to myself, how can that be energy efficient? Because then you have to dispose of these batteries. I know that's not good for the environment. So there's a lot no. of things that need to be worked out here. Exactly. And again, you drive whatever car you want. You're absolutely right. The free markets will dictate. I, for example, have a small farm. I have a pickup truck. I need it for practical reasons. They don't make green pickup trucks yet, at least not with the horsepower that I need for what my livelihood is. So your green car sounds great if you are living in San Francisco or an urban area and you are commuting a couple miles back and forth. Wonderful. But for a lot of Americans, that is not reality. That is not practical. And that is not what their livelihood demands. And so to have these mandates, and which is what the Biden administration is going to do, they are going to put these mandates of electric vehicles. Heck, the governor of California has banned the sale of gas-powered cars in California by 2035. If your listeners want a stock tip, 
go buy a auto dealership on the Nevada border because all the Californians <laughs> are just going to go to Nevada and buy a car. Can I point out, too, that when we talk about efficiency and we they, they like to tout the very expensive things, I'm a homeowner. I realize some of the smallest things make huge differences. And I also realize that the energy company here, any pretty much anywhere, they have these uh, financial incentives. If you were to upgrade your home and if you were to upgrade your windows, upgrade your insulation, if you're, you know, even things like get a new pool pump that's more energy efficient, they'll give you credits for those things. And I'm thinking to myself, that's how you get people to lower energy usage. You try to encourage them through uh, the ability to upgrade things that they have. And ultimately speaking, if a lot of people do it, you're going to make a big difference there. You don't have to put 30 grand into solar panels on your house that eventually will wear down and be useless. Um, You can do these little things and it'll have, I think, a much greater effect bang for your buck. We need to really encourage those things. Absolutely. And people need to remember that the solar panels and the wind turbines, more than 70% of them are manufactured in China. They have the monopoly on this market. So not only are we going to forego American fossil fuels and those jobs, but we're going to buy a product that is predominantly made in China that does have a 10-year lifespan, that does break down, that does require parts. And I don't want to be beholden on China for any replacement parts. And look, solar panels, they have their advantages, but they have a great disadvantage. They break. They are silica and they're, they're quartz. And when they break, they leach toxic chemicals into the groundwater. All you have to do is go to a solar farm, and I've been to many of them, and you see shattered glass all over the ground. How come we don't talk about this? I'm not saying fossil fuels are perfect. I'm saying that if you had to compare the two, we need to have that honest conversation. And we hear all the bad things about fossil fuels. That fossil fuels are more efficient. They really are greener (laughs) to a large extent. And they are ultimately domestic. They are found here in America and not found in communist China. And I got to say, more power to companies that have taken their own blood, sweat and tears in money in order to try to make these things more readily accessible, make them cheaper. So when you are shopping for these things, you can actually make a decision. If you can make it competitive and the cost to replace these things are competitive with anything else, then it works. But you got to get to that point first to convince someone like me. And I feel like they're going to get there. And when I see things like, okay, let's stop the pipeline right now, I think, not yet. No, because you're not there yet. And I think we're close. But uh, by the way, before we go, I want to know how can people find some of your work or maybe the things you're doing with uh, Power the Future? It's powerthefuture.com, and this is what we focus on, specifically those jobs in rural America. Um, and, and we try to be the voice of rural American energy workers and hopefully represent them in D.C. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future. Thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Pleasure. Thank you so much. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. A big part of this is just being pragmatic when you're looking for solutions. And part of it is that if you really want this and you believe this is the future, then the great thing is there's companies that are investing in it. And they'll eventually get there because there is a giant rush for them to develop this technology in an affordable way. They know the market is there. We have to, to me, you know, I'm not just going to do it to do it and say, you know, I'm going to spend 30 grand to do this, but man, it'll make me look good to all my neighbors. No, 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 no. I don't care about the cosmetic, all of that. Just you got to make it worth my while to do this, not on some sort of ideological thing. It's got to be practical for me, please. So I, I love hearing about things like this. And it's good that we're talking about the Keystone Pipeline. It's good to know we're not alone. Canada, of all places, they're not happy about it. So we'll, uh, I'm sure talk more about this in the future. This is Overnight America, KMOX. 
This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Overnight America is live up until midnight. Replay hours, which you may be listening to right now, is fine. You can find those online in the podcast section at KMOX.com or if you get your podcast anywhere, the Apple Store, Podcast Place, or whatever it's called, just search for Overnight America or the Radio.com app, places like that. And I always like to check the stats. We have a good amount of people that, after the show, download and listen because they don't get a chance to listen live for the four hours. And I can't blame you. Uh, it's a long time to sit and listen to the radio, but if you're one of those people that listen to every moment of the show, mwah, that's that's my love to you. Mwah. I'm also on Facebook complaining about Facebook, uh, Ryan Recker Radio. We can be in good company and also not like that platform there together. So I saw this one story, and really it was brought to life thanks to Kevin Clean. <laughs> Thieves are cowards. St. Louis man chased away catalytic converter robbers with broom. Here's Kevin Clean's story. Police say it's happening across the city map. Thieves crawling under parked cars and sawing off the catalytic converters. They contain valuable metals for resale. Longtime Tower Grove South resident Jay Rossloff says he was awakened around half past midnight the other night. I heard the sound of a sawzall under somebody's uh, car out front of my house. The sound of a what? A sawzall. What does it sound like? Rossloff says he put on his shoes, grabbed a broom, and ran outside. Was he afraid? No, uh, thieves are cowards. Simple as that. They're not. They're not robbers. They're not. They're not muggers. He says the two thieves ran off. Police say if it happens to you, call nine one one. Kevin Colleen, St. Louis News Radio, KMOX. Yeah, I wonder what I would do if I were to witness something like that. I don't know if I would run outside and confront the people stealing it. But then again, if I'm at my home, that would mean I would be able to <laughs> get supplies. <laughs> So I would think I would be able to protect myself. Um, I have to put it that way, I guess. I looked online real quick. I was curious. Edmonds Research. I was curious how much a stolen catalytic converter would go for. They say the metal of it could get anywhere between $20 to $200. Is it real? Man, think about that. All the effort it goes to going around stealing these things. And they have to go through the effort of selling it and all of that. Get a job, you know? And if you are someone that's working recycling and someone's showing up with a bunch of catalytic converters, call the police on those people. Honestly, what are you doing doing business with them? These are some pretty lousy people. I've seen some videos online where people have been caught in the act doing this, and it's amazing how fast they work. They make it look like there's some sort of like AAA, whatever. They're someone that's helping a towing company. They'll pull up next to the vehicle. They'll pop out as if they're trying to help, like the neighborhood mechanic. They'll jack it up. So when to go under there, cut this thing off, throw it into the back of the truck or whatever they're in, and then off they go. They can do this in the matter of a couple of minutes. I um, would have no sympathy if the jack broke or whatever, and they found themselves trapped under a car. I would have no sympathy for them. That's the way they decided to go in life. And I don't think too many other people would too. And I think that when we're already having problems with all kinds of violence in St. Louis, do you think the police even take this seriously? I mean, we have murders and lots of them. We have shootings and violent crimes. We have drugs. We have uh, break-ins. We have fires. We got all these things in St. Louis. Do you think the police, when they get a call, hey, um, dude stealing my catalytic converter, do you think they're going to show up lickety split? Or do you think they're just going to basically take a report over the phone and say you're on your own? And I can see why people would 
want to take it on their own to be able to go out there and do something. A good old crowbar would do the trick. And that guy had a broom handle. It's pretty confident. Now, that would be a reason for me to run outside of my sweatpants, flinging around a broom handle, seeing if I can get a couple of wax in there. Maybe, just maybe, uh, they'll think twice about it next time, but probably not. I think the only thing that would help them think twice is if one of them got crushed underneath, then probably not even then. So when we come back after the news, we're going to talk to Todd Benzman. He's a senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's also the author of an upcoming book called America's Covert Border War. President Biden has a different approach when it comes to the southern border, and he has a different approach when it comes to immigration. So what are the differences between the two administrations and what could that mean for our country? He'll talk about that coming up after the break on Overnight America KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.